0: I'm sports journalist Sam Squires. Welcome to On Her Game. Growing up, Hannah Southwell was one of those girls who was freakishly good at every sport. Rugby league was her first love, but her professional sporting career would take her to soccer, then to rugby sevens before coming back to league in 2018. But Hannah's tale is almost a cautionary one. We often hear stories about athletes who excelled at a young age and were fast-tracked to the top of their game. But rarely do we hear the stories about when that acceleration is just too fast, even for the talented to cope. Hannah found herself shell-shocked and in a deep low before finding herself in the NRLW and another Australian jersey for the Gillaroos. Nowadays, it's concussion she fears the most and is passionate about head safety. But Hannah's sporting story? Well, it starts in an unexpected place. So I start off every podcast by really going back to the beginning, and I really want to know where did you grow up and what was little Hannah Southwell like?
1: Yeah, so I um I actually started playing I guess sport. Mum and dad put me into ballet. Mum wanted me to,
0: I can't believe she did that. And classified, that's classified as a sport. Yeah, it's
1: classified as a sport. And she thought it'd be good um, for discipline and posture and stuff like that. So did that for, uh, I think, two months. And then mum and dad went, oh, that's not for Hannah at all. (laughs) Why was that? I just was terrible at it. Had no, like, coordination or rhythm or anything like that. So, (laughs) yeah, and then dad sort of went, look, we're just going to chuck her into rugby league with her little brother and um, see how
0: she goes. That's really, really cool. Is it just you and your brother?
1: Yeah, so my brother and I played together and then my little sister was born a little bit later and um, yeah, she's playing league now as well. So
0: Were there many, there wouldn't have be been many girls playing back then? No, I was the only girl in my team. I played for the Katara
1: Bears in Newcastle. It's a bit different, but um, no, I got to rough a few of the boys up, which was really good.
0: And do you remember what you felt when you were that little playing rugby league? Like what, how you felt about the game, how much you loved it, people's reactions?
1: Yeah. Um, so before every game, Dad would kind of pump us up, and he'd play um, Red Hot Chili Peppers and a bit of Nirvana <laughs> as well, which was really cool. Um, and then awesome. when we got to the game, he'd um, give my brother and I a Mars bar and sort of go, "Let's rip in and then take some heads off." So <laughs> that worked as well, which was really good. Um, uh, cool. But no, I just remember running around having a great time with my little brother, and yeah, just kicking it.
0: How did your teammates and the opposition react to you being one of the only girls in the competition?
1: Um. I wore headgear, so when I was playing, a lot of the boys on the opposition team didn't even know, which was really good. I had a short little boy bob that mum made me wear, which was, well, not made me wear, I had cut my hair cut like that way, and um, yeah, I hated that, but the boys didn't know I was a girl, <laughs> so it kind of worked in my favour as well. But um, at training and stuff, the boys just kind of looked at me as one of the boys, um, which was really good, especially having my brother there, they kind of weren't going to pick on me or anything like that, especially when we got to training and got to whack him a few times and definitely shut him up. <laughs> Um, But no, it it wasn't a problem. How long did you play with your brother?
0: How long did you play rugby league?
1: I played for five years. Yeah, I played till I was 12, 11, 12, because um, we had to stop. The boys got too big, I got too old, and yeah, I had to move on to
0: something else. When you had to stop when you were 12? Yeah, 12. um, Do you remember how you felt at that time? Was it something that you just accepted? Was it something that you felt a little bit disappointed? Do you remember your emotions at the time? Yeah, it was pretty sad. Um, We knew it was
1: coming up because that was the regulation back then. So we had to kind of look in towards or look towards um, what was the next option. And that was um, football, soccer. So um, we were prepared for it. But yeah, it was still a very sad experience for me to kind of quit what I love playing.
0: Now, soccer became your big love after rugby league early on. Had you started soccer beforehand?
1: Uh, No, I kind of, yeah, finished league. And then like, I think it was a couple of weeks later, just started playing soccer and I had to right um, hand-eye coordination and kind of went into a
0: goalkeeper, which was pretty cool. Did you ever try any other positions?
1: Well, I tried um, in the trial. I, I think it was a school trial. I played um, striker up in the middle mm-hmm. and I was terrible. I just booted the ball out and <laughs> booted it, I think, to my own team and, yeah, it was really <laughs> shocking. So um, they just put me back in the goals and said, oh, you've got a right hand. So, yeah, just stick in the goal for now. So
0: you only started that when you were 12?
1: Yeah, I started that when I was 12 um, yeah, at a school level. And yeah, mum and dad said, look, that's the only thing that you can do at the moment. So just stick at that and, um, yeah, just keep playing in it. Uh, yeah. Kind of progress from there. Well, it progressed pretty quickly. Yeah, it was very fast. I think in that same year we, um, played New South Wales, I think it was PLSA soccer for year six, I think it was. Mm. And then, um, yeah, progress from there in year seven and started playing with the Newcastle Jets Academy, which was really cool. Um, and then sort of started playing young Matildas from there as well, which was, which was awesome they get us into camps and um, get the best girls, obviously, in the country together and, yeah, just start training from there. And then, um, yeah, we go away. I think it was to Vietnam we went away too and, um, yeah, played a few games over there. I think we won all of our games, which was really cool.
0: When you were how old?
1: I think I was 15. So we were on a um, family holiday in – I think we went to Europe and then we had a stop off in Dubai. And then from Dubai they sort of said, oh, you've been selected to go to play in um, Vietnam and – From there, I had to fly from Dubai to Singapore by myself (laughs) across the world and, um, yeah, meet up with the girls in Singapore at the sort of connection flight. So that was pretty scary. Mum and dad, (laughs) they weren't happy about it, but they let me go, which was really cool.
0: When you were 14 as well, you became the youngest goalkeeper to play in the W League when you were just 14, two years after you take up the sport. You're playing in the W League, the professional league in Australia. That is so young. Do you think that you were ready at 14 to to take that leap? No, I'm gonna say no, I wasn't.
1: Um and it definitely brought brought my maturity up a lot, um, which was which was good. Um and it prepared me for the sort of the young Matilda's games and, and the Matilda's games as well. But yeah, once I hit, I think it was fourteen, fifteen, they um they put me in as the starting keeper and just kind of said, Look, if you make a mistake, you make a mistake because you are so young. But just give it a go and and um we're not gonna be angry with you or anything like that, which was which was great to be told as well. So
0: they say no pressure, but you already have pressure on you when you're a goalkeeper. Mm. Um I don't know how you do it. That's intense. Yeah. But can you take me back to that day when you you were the starting goalkeeper, you're fourteen years old in the W League? My
1: very I think it was my very first game in the, the second season I um, got a ball passed back to me by like, my centre-back and um, I took a, a big touch and the striker actually got a hold of it and scored and um, that was just a big wake-up call to me. I think I even cried on the field and um, had really? to get... Yeah, I think I had to get through the rest of... I think it was a 90-minute game, so I had to I think it was in the first minute. I had to get through um, 80 89 minutes, so um, yeah, that was pretty full-on. But <laughs> apart from that, it was a really good season and it definitely set me up for the rest of my career playing sevens as well and, and rugby league, so... Full on, but I'm really I'm really grateful it happened.
0: You don't strike me as someone who would cry on the field at all. Yeah, I think it was
1: like tears to myself, and I wasn't <laughs> going to show this. I think the centre back was yelling at me, going, "What did you do? What was that?" But um, they just said, "Look, pick your head up and um, keep going." And you got 89 minutes to sort of prove yourself here, and and if you do well, you'll start together next week. So um, yeah, it was pretty full on, but yeah, I had a couple of tears to myself in the goal. <laughs>
0: <laughs> did you love it? Did you want to make that your career?
1: At the start, I hated it. Um, but I just found that I was yeah quite good at sort of catching the ball and um, why did you hate it? I, I just had no um, kicking skills like no mm. I didn't have any good feet or anything like that and um, but I was all right at catching the ball and sort of controlling the back so um, I, I, I grew to love it. I kind of went look th- there's no rugby league for me there's no rugby sevens for me so just give this a crack and I actually set goals up in my um, my garage my gym at home and um, just kind of went look I want to make this team, want to make this team. Um, And at the end of it was I want to make the Matildas team slash squad. And um, I eventually did that, which was really awesome. And, um, yeah, it was great to be a part of that squad. I did learn a lot from that.
0: So you were in the squad, you played for the young Matildas, got into the Matildas squad, you're on track, you're doing well, you've got this reputation of, you know, being in the W League when you're just 14 years old, the youngest goalkeeper in the W League. And then you decided to quit the sport. Yeah, What happened?
1: It all happened so quickly. So um, they invited me into the Matildas camp and um, did well. They had Olympic qualifiers coming up and they said, if you perform, you'll um, go away to the Olympic qualifiers and then eventually, hopefully the Olympics. And um, in those camps, I thought I did well and, and performed and all the reports were that, you yeah, you did well. Um, but then I got a phone call from the coach and he just said, look, we've decided to go with someone else, which was fine, um, and it'll be your time in a couple of years. Um, and I just... For someone that had worked so hard at something I didn't even enjoy, I um, kind of just went, no, nah, I'm just going to give this give this a miss. And um, at that time also Rugby Sevens was coming up and the Olympics were coming up. Mm. And, um, yeah, I kind of just went, look, I'm going to go and give Rugby Sevens a red hot crack. And, yeah, I did. And it was, I think it was all within um, two weeks. I just decided to quit and, um, yeah, start started playing sevens.
0: How did you go from just, okay, well, that's it. I'll just quit all soccer. And then did you just call up... Did you call up the Institute or call up the Australian coach, Rugby Sevens coach, or how do you get started?
1: Uh, it was honestly just such a blur. I got home from that Matilda's camp and went, nah, Dad, I've had enough. I, I don't want to play it anymore. I, I didn't really enjoy it to begin with. And um, he, he was very understanding. He just said, look, if Rugby Sevens is something that you want to pursue, definitely do it, which was really great. Um, and it kind of just went from there. I think I rang up my... Um, Newcastle Jets coach at the time and just said look I've decided to leave the sport altogether and I'm going to start and pursue something else and um, they just went yeah that's fine no, no dramas at all and then um, I think I started playing a few sevens comps before that mm. and then um, got picked up in the New South Wales um, seventh squad which was really great I was honored to do that I didn't expect it would happen so fast I think it was in yeah a couple of months that I kind of got picked up with that team and um, <laughs> just made it my goal to make the seventh
0: squad eventually. So tell me what was it What was it like for you? What did you love about Rugby Sevens? What was it like being in that program?
1: I loved, before going into the program, I loved the speed of it, um, even though I wasn't that fast. (laughs) Um, I loved the physicality of it and um, it was just so new, well, for me anyway. um, I saw it being played at the Olympic Games on TV and just kind of went, look, that's something that I want to do and Mm. um, jumped into the program. It was a shock because it was so professional. Um, Like we would train in the morning on the field and then we'd go do some gym and then some top-ups which I normally had to do because I was so slow and unfit Mm. at the time but just being involved in a professional program was a big jump for me and um, just being expected to be on time and at your best every single day Mm. um, that took a while to get used to for me because sometimes like everyone have um, crappy days and, and not so good days and just to be your best that you can be every single day was um yeah a bit of a bit of a shock at 16, 17, 18.
0: Mm. Did you ever get a sense when, because you'd made, I mean, the midfielders coach told you that you'd be a a keeper, you'd be there wearing that green and gold in a couple of years if you just kept at it. Mm. And then you made the switch to rugby sevens. Were there times that you felt, oh my gosh, have I made the right decision?
1: Um, Not really. I just, I just went, I've always enjoyed playing rugby league. Um, That's what I started with. And Just went, look, sevens is the next best thing and um, yeah, just go play that. I never really looked back. It was hurtful to hear what had happened and what was said to me at the time playing soccer. But I kind of just went, look, I've always really enjoyed playing rugby league and and that contact sport and the physicality of it.
0: So what happened?
1: Um, Yeah, so I was contracted for 10 months with the girls. I actually got glandular fever while I was there, uh, which wasn't great. I was off for about three months. Came back and um, sort of just went. Look, I'm going to try and train my best and train my hardest to sort of make the the World, World Series coming up, which I thought is um, what I did. And then um, we got wind that they were cutting the squad down to 14, which was um, a shock to all of us. Um, and I just kind of went, "Oh, I don't want to be um, don't want to be one of those that that gets cut." Um, but you kind of had a feeling along the way that was probably going to be you because you're on the mm. fringe and i just come back from being sick. And, um, yeah, I kind of went in there. I went into the meeting, sorry, with um, the coach and he kind of just went, look, we don't see you as an Olympic finish and, um, yeah, we don't really want you in the program anymore, which was pretty hard to hear at 17, 18 years old. And, um, yeah, I just kind of went home and just cried for two, three weeks with mum and dad and, um, yeah, just, it was pretty pretty sad.
0: Why was it so crushing?
1: Um, I think just because along the way I was told, like, you're doing well, you're doing well, Um, maybe try this, maybe try that. Mm -hmm. Um, But we we were kind of prepared um, for it because they said they were going to cut the squad down to 14, but you're never really prepared for being told, look, we don't see you as an Olympic finish. Um, We'd be happy for you to prove us wrong, but, um, yeah, we don't want you in the team anymore.
0: How did you react? I mean, did you then, did it fire up? Did it put fire in your belly that you wanted to prove them wrong?
1: Well, in the interview, he said, th- the, the coach said that um, we're more than happy for you to prove us wrong. And I kind of just went, look, I, I wasn't told this prior to this meeting, so I don't really see how I can do that now. Um, but in the future, I think that's what he meant. So I'd try and prove us prove us wrong. Um, but yeah, definitely, I, I went home that day and just sort of cried and didn't want to speak to anyone. And um, yeah, it was really tough for me then. And um, I haven't really spoken about it, to be honest. Really? Yeah, I haven't. I haven't even spoken to mum and dad about it.
0: Why does it cut you up now?
1: It's just being so young and like working your whole life towards being a professional rugby sevens player or rugby league player, and just being told in that room that we don't see you being good enough was just gut wrenching. So,
0: yeah, I haven't really, um, yeah, spoken about it. Sorry, no. But this is what this is what can happen. Yeah. And you do and that's why I'm asking you because I can imagine what that would be like always told, being told you're amazing, you can go to the Olympics, mm. you know, being picked up so quickly and things happening so quickly for the Rugby Sevens, only then for them to say actually no. Yeah, it was horrendous and I... Um, and you're so young, you wouldn't have had that many rejections up until then, would you?
1: No, like there was this, obviously the soccer rejection but um, yeah, I just... I didn't recover from that, I reckon, for about a year. And it was just horrendous. So and um, a few of the girls reached out and said, oh, we're here for you and, and stuff like that, but nothing prepares you for being told that.
0: What about your mum and dad? Did they understand how how crushing that was? Did you show people how crushing it was?
1: Um, Yes and no. I think it was just not having the support after it all happened. Um, from the program and um, just feeling like you're nothing, like you're cattle, Mm. Um, just you're in there to be a punching bag. Mm. Kind of just all hit you at the end and, um, yeah, it was just horrendous.
0: That was the last you heard of the program?
1: Yeah, I think I got a text saying Merry Christmas um, Mm. and that was it.
0: Are you made to feel special at the start and then when things don't work out?
1: Definitely. I was contracted after Olympics and thought I'd be the next, to be honest, best
0: thing. And um, you weren't. You were just cattle. Did you ever pick up rugby after that? Did you ever go back and start playing? Or was that you just couldn't bring yourself to, to play sevens or fifteens again?
1: Um, I played a couple of tournaments um, in Dubai. Um but no, I couldn't, I could never go back to it.
0: What did that do to your self-confidence?
1: Yeah, it was shot. I didn't want to play sport again. I was in a really dark place. Um, it was honestly one of the most horrendous things I'd ever gone through.
0: Um, is there a feeling that you just wish you had more time in Rugby Sevens or did you feel that after they, you know, cut you from the program, did you feel I just needed more time? Did you feel that you didn't have enough time?
1: I'm thankful that I was um, let go at the time that I was um, because the sport wasn't for me. That wasn't my genetic makeup and I wasn't meant to be um, a really fast rugby sevens player. So, um, no, I'm really glad that it kind of went the way it did because it taught me so much. And, um, yeah, mum and dad have always said, look, it was meant to be and and you weren't sort of meant to be a part of the program. You are meant to go and play rugby league and and that's what you're kind of made for and what you're good at. So... Yeah, I'm really thankful that it did happen the way it did. Um, I've learnt heaps. At the time, I wouldn't say that, but I've mm-hmm. learnt a lot. And, um, yeah, I just wouldn't
0: look back now. And then something good happened. I always felt like out of nowhere the NRL started to professionalise their women's game as well. Yeah. Did that just feel like... It was fantastic. <laughs> <laughs> it was great. Just a slice of positivity in a really dark time for you.
1: Yeah. I had somewhere to go. Um, a few of the girls said, "Look, come and play," and I was quite reluctant at the time because I was like, "Oh, I've just been destroyed." Mm-hmm. Yeah, and um, yeah, they just said, "Come and play league and and just give it a go." And I did, and I um I started playing with the Newcastle Rugby League team. I can't remember what they were called. Um, and uh, I wasn't actually picked to start for the first couple of rounds, which was fine. <laughs> I was cut like my ego was <laughs> cut, but um, that's just the way you gotta deal with it. And um. Yeah, the next couple of weeks after the first few rounds, I got picked up and started playing on the wing, mm-hmm. which was great. And um just kind of went from there. And, yeah, the announcement of the WNRL and it just changed my whole life.
0: How soon after you picked the game back up again did the NRLW be announced?
1: Uh, I think it was that same year. We had the Newcastle comp and then um, State of Origin was announced, which was great. And then, yeah, that same year WNRL was announced, which was even better.
0: How soon, how quickly did things happen for you then?
1: Um, it was really, I think it was even faster than sister and, and Rugby <laughs> League is. and Rugby Union. Great. It seems to be a pattern here. But I think it was within three months, started playing rugby league and then um, from there played country championships and um, actually was given a shot by Ben Cross to play State of Origin. Mm-hmm. Um, and then from there got to play, Um, I think it was like 53 minutes because um, one of the girls got injured, I got to play centre. And then, um, yeah, from there they announced the WNRL and, um,
0: yeah, went with the Dragons. Did playing rugby league again and then having the professionalisation, because there was such a boom for women's sports across all codes um, around 2017, 2018, did it just feel just like a warm hug that you were home being... Playing rugby league again because you keep every time you talk about soccer you refer you keep comparing it to to league. When you talked about rugby sevens, you compared it to league, mm-hmm. and then finally to have a professional option for league that must have just been just what you needed.
1: It was great. So at the start, I, I um, just kind of played it because I was coming off the back of the sevens disappointment. But um, yeah, when I sort of started to find the love again for the sport, it was just it was like you said, it was a big warm hug. And the girls and and the coaches involved were amazing. They just made me feel so welcome. And and it was such a, even though I'd been a part of a professional environment, this seemed even more professional at a semi-professional level Mm -hmm. Um, just because they were just so inviting and and kind. It was just really, a really good thing to experience.
0: Going in and having everything happening so fast again for Rugby League, Mm. did you have a fear that what happened to you with Rugby Sevens, would happen to you with Rugby League where they'd say, thank you, but no thanks?
1: Um, it'd be more that I wasn't good enough. So I'd go to training and think, oh, I just got dropped from sevens. Like, I, I, I shouldn't be here. So it'd be more... Years later. Yeah, it'd be more of that feeling um, just because the way it all happened. But, yeah, no, that that I did struggle with that for a long time and um, sort of trusting people again and trusting the coaches and, and trusting that they are going to make the right decision by me because I'd just been let go so um, brutally. It, it, it took me a long time to recover from that. Halfway through... Last year, I kind of went, look, I deserve to play league. Keep going. Keep sticking at it. Um, you deserve to be here. And that's kind of the point. I went, look, it's time to move on. Um, you can't hold on to that forever. And um, I did. And, and then I haven't looked back ever since. And I love it.
0: How soon were you playing Origin? Only like a couple of months after you yeah, came I, back?
1: I think it was um yeah three months and then um, started playing Country Champs, got picked up from there. And then I think it was in... A week or two, they um they announced the, the origin squad, and I was picked at seventeen. I was like, well, "What are you talking about? That's ridiculous!" <laughs> I didn't think I was going to play at all. And um, yeah, I think Corbin McGregor got injured in the first seven mm. minutes. They said, "Oh, Hannah, you got to go on. You got to play center." And I would only ever played sort of wing and in the middle. Mm. And um, yeah, they just said, "Yeah, you got to go play
0: center," and I
1: did, and I loved it, and it was such a great atmosphere, and um, yeah, it was, it was awesome.
0: That was the in twenty eighteen. Enjoying yeah, 2018, yep. At North Sydney Oval. Yeah. A record crowd there. What was that atmosphere like?
1: Oh, I'd never experienced anything like that in my entire life. It was just amazing. Even playing W League, like there was, nothing can compare to that first year playing Origin. Um, I think there was over, well oh, there's maybe a million people watched on TV as well. Standalone
0: game for the first time as well. It's
1: unbelievable. Mm. And um, I had heaps of messages from family and friends saying, oh, how awesome, having so many people watching and at the ground and... Yeah, I, I'm never gonna forget it and um just hearing the crowd go, New South Wales was just it was amazing.
0: Did it make you know, the past disappointments with soccer and rugby sevens, did it make it okay?
1: Yeah, it did. It it really did. Um I always had that sort of sevens thing looming in the background, but um no, to to go out there and play for your state and in front of so many people and, and to win was just immense and um it, it definitely meant a lot to me because of everything that had happened.
0: What then was it like to get the phone call from Brad Donald to say that you've been selected in the Gillaroos, the oh, Australian squad?
1: Again, I couldn't believe how fast everything had happened. I, I said, oh, are you sure? Like, are you serious? And he was like, yeah, yeah, well, you, you're going to come away with us to New Zealand? Because I actually was playing Prime Minister's 13 in PNG at the time. And he said, look, you're going to come across and play New Zealand with us. And I said, oh, are you sure? And um, <laughs> he said, yeah. So it was amazing to sort of hear that phone call from him and... um yeah, to just go out and and play because I wasn't actually I was named at eighteenth men, but Jeff just got injured the day mm-hmm. before, and um again I had to go out and play centre and um even though it was a close game I loved every second and um yeah I'm so thankful
0: that they let me play. You said that you hadn't told you know your parents don't even really know the extent of how much that rugby sevens disappointment hurt you. Have you communicated that? to say Jillaroos coach Brad Donald, who you have a um like a good, really good working relationship with now. Would he be listening to this podcast going, on? I never knew that about Hannah?
1: No, I I'd mentioned um we have like a circle where we um we talk to we talk about our experiences in the Jillaroos and I find that's a, a really awesome platform to sort of talk about your past and, and what you've been through and um yeah Brad Brad held one of those circles for us and I got up and spoke about my Sevens experience and um they were just so understanding and um, they were there for me and they um, kind of just said, look, mate, we've got you. Just keep plugging along. You're going to be here for a long time. And um, yeah, we've got you back.
0: And being able to do that, did that help heal a little bit for you?
1: It did. I think I um I broke down once in the circle um, and uh, everyone kind of just got around me and said, look, it's okay. It's it's not going to be like that here. Um, we're a very inclusive group and um, we want to make sure you feel comfortable at all times and um, that's definitely what they did. So, yeah, I'm really thankful that I could talk about it at that level.
0: Where would you like to see the women's game in the next, for rugby league, in the next five years?
1: I know everyone says hopefully professional but um, got to be realistic because the, the times are in at the moment but um, I would love to see it, it a little bit more sort of professional than what it is now. I'd love to see my little sister come through and be like, I want to be a professional rugby league player and I want to do that for the rest of my life. But, um, yeah, we've just got to sort of wait and see and see what happens this year.
0: You're very passionate about headgear, which I'm really interested in unpacking. Why is it that you're so passionate about? You wear headgear, but why is it you're so passionate about it?
1: Um, Yeah, mum and dad sort of said, you're not playing league unless you wear headgear. Mm -hmm. Um, Did they have the same rule for your brother? Yes. Yeah, they did.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, we both
1: had to wear headgear, which was which was fair. And uh, yeah, kind of just stuck ever since. I um, I said to them, I don't want to wear it. It's ugly. It's daggy. I used to say this back when I was a kid, and um, they said no, you have to wear it. And yeah, it's just stuck ever since. And um, now when I go out and play, it's kind of a bit of a comfort thing. But I also know I can go in knowing I can do my best, rip in, mm. and and not be scared of getting injured.
0: Would you feel a bit naked if you didn't have it on?
1: Definitely. Like I wear it some. I don't wear it sometimes at training and I just feel like oh, I need to put it on and I feel a lot safer when I have it on. Mm. But I, um, I did a bit of research myself and I found out that it doesn't actually prevent concussion, which we always thought growing up that it did. Mm. But it's more, yeah, to protect you from abrasions and, uh, abrasion, sorry, and um, cuts and bruises and stuff like that. But, again, I, I like to wear it because um, it makes me feel safe and I can, yeah, rip in.
0: But now you've done the research that it doesn't prevent concussions. Does it prevent any damage to your brain damage or anything like that uh no not from the research that
1: they've said they've said your brain isn't sort of strapped down to your skull Mm. um so when it does get hit it's going to hit the wall of your brain so it's Mm. still going to have that sort of impact um so the head gear wouldn't prevent that Mm. um but yeah like I said I like to wear it because I do feel safer with it and I think other females and males should wear it for protecting from um, abrasions and cuts and and stuff like that. I think it's definitely reduced a lot of impact. um, But, yeah, like I said, it doesn't actually prevent concussion.
0: Have you suffered a
1: concussion? I've suffered a few. Um, I think I've suffered about five, five, six serious concussions in my life and one of those was playing soccer as well.
0: Five or six sounds like a lot, Hannah, because you're not old either.
1: No, no. um, Yeah, I've had a few put my head in the wrong position playing rugby league and then, like I said, I was playing soccer and I got a ball sort of pinged up my head when I was a goalkeeper. And um, yeah, it it has been a few concussions and a few people have said to me, look, you need to keep an eye on it. Otherwise it is going to get a lot worse and a few um, problems will start happening later on in life. So I've always got to be aware of that. Um, But yeah, no, it's been a few.
0: Do you think, because it's been a big debate, do you think we need more research into, obviously concussions in sport, but specifically um, women's sport, female sport?
1: Definitely, definitely for the female sport, there needs to be um, a lot more research done on concussion and the impacts of what rugby league does to the female
0: body um, because it is so, so new. Um, When you say there's more research into the women's game, what kind of research? um,
1: We're we're doing a few things now at the Central Coast Roosters where they sort of take um, our daily, what we wake up and we fill in how we feel. Um, We fill in sort of our training loads and... And then we get to training and we do a couple of um, sort of high jumps and um, height, weight, menstrual cycles and stuff like that. And um, the reason they're doing that is because there is no research around the female game at the moment. So I think more of that that we can do, the better. Um, and also, yeah, just looking into how rugby league affects the female brain as well as the male brain.
0: Are you, are you afraid of the five or six concussions that you've had before?
1: Uh,
0: yeah, I've, I think about it a lot, like I, um, I, I just forget
1: things. I am a forgetful person, but I find that I'm forgetting a lot more now um, mm. and that it's difficult to rem- – like I, in this interview, it was difficult for me to remember the things happening with football and rugby sevens and I always think in the back of my head is that because I've had so many concussions and mm. it, it filters in and I, I, I sometimes go, yeah, I think that could have something to do with it because I haven't always been that f- forgetful, if that mm. makes sense. So, yeah, I think it, think it's definitely had an impact on, on me and my brain and, and the way I think and the way I remember things.
0: Is that why you're so passionate? You want more research to be done? You want more awareness out there?
1: Definitely. Like, I know there's a big stigma around when you get a head knock, you just get back up and you play. And that's the way I used to play. Mm-hmm. But now when I get a head knock, I just go, look, I've had a, I've had a few head knocks. Um, I should
0: probably come off the field and mm. get tested and make sure I'm right. Do you still feel that stigma? Because I know there's... The NRL is so heavy on making sure that the the player doesn't assess themselves mm-hmm. that you know that they're off straight away. Is that still the case in the competitions that you you play? No, I think the NRL has done a
1: really great job, especially end of last year, this year. Like I said, I reckon two years ago I would have just played on, mm-hmm. um, had a head knock, and just kept playing. When you're on the field, it's different. You just go, oh, I really want to do the best by the team. I want to keep going. But the best by the team is you coming off and making sure you're all right. Mm. So I think the NRL has done a really good job stressing that to to lower sort of mm. levels and, and at the NRL as well that if you've got a head knock, you should come off and, mm. and just get it checked regardless. What were the after
0: effects that you felt with the head knocks that you had? The
1: worst one I had with, was that soccer one. Um, I, I got a ball straight in the head and I just kind of blacked out for a long time. And... Um, just laid on the ground and then got up and kept training and I was like I I can't see like I, I can't mm. I can't train anyway. Finished the training session, um, came back home and I just felt really really sick and I didn't want to like have any light on me or anything like that. Mm. So that was the worst one I've had. Other ones I've just kind of been a bit dizzy and and kind of just closed my eyes for a long time on the on the field and then just kept playing, mm. um, which is the worst thing you can do.
0: Yeah, which you don't do anymore.
1: Don't do anymore. If you get a head knock, just come straight off.
0: Yeah. It's interesting, isn't it, that you've played those three codes, but your worst one was probably I would have thought soccer wouldn't have given yeah. you the worst concussion, but it just shows that, you know, it's across a number yeah. of sports All as sport. well. Yeah.
1: yeah. Yeah, a lot of people just aren't, well, back then, sorry, a lot of people just weren't aware of the the issues that surrounded concussion and, and the problems mm-hmm. later on in life. That's what I'm scared of. I'm scared about the problems later on and I I know deep down that I will because I've had so many and mm. so many undiagnosed ones that it is going to be a problem later on. Like I said, I'm forgetting things now and I, I struggle to remember things back when I was playing soccer. So I imagine sort of 50 years from now when I'm 60, 70 and I can't remember anything. So mm. that that is quite scary for me to to imagine.
0: You say you're you're afraid but not afraid enough not to play.
1: Yeah, I think if I get a couple more, I'll have to consider what I'm going to do. Mm -hmm. Because I don't want to not remember things later on in life. Mm. So um, that's a conversation I'm probably going to have to have with mum and dad and and myself, really. Like, is it worth not remembering things later Mm. on when you're 50, 60, 70? So um, I still want to keep playing because I love it, but Mm. it is something that I do really have to consider. And a lot of other players and females and males have to consider that as well.
0: Yeah, yeah.
1: I know a few of the NRL boys have actually, and even I know a few of the soccer girls have um, pulled out of playing sport altogether because they're afraid
0: of the later on effects. Do any of the girls ever talk about these things or the head knocks or anything like that?
1: Not really. Um, Mm. Like I said, the done a good job having videos and and educating us on the issues Mm. that is concussion and and the head knocks, but around the girls and and the players, there's not a lot of communication about it. We know it's not great, but, um, yeah, there's not a lot of sort of talk about later on in life and the impacts it's going to have, so...
0: It's so funny, isn't it? Because we kind of think that there's, you know, with, with women's football taking off and um, women's cricket taking off, you know, it was only this year that that Asics brought out a women's specific cricket shoe, mm. and I was so shocked that that hadn't occurred beforehand. But all the all the rugby gear, rugby league gear, is all shaped. To male bodies, isn't it? Like yeah. you don't have female footy boots, do you?
1: No, no, we don't. I think um, ASICS was looking into that or, or they have released that. I'm not too sure. But um, yeah, there's no sort of specific um, female sort of shoulder pads or, or headgear, or I don't, well, not really mouth guards because everyone sort of has the same sort of jaw. But um, yeah, there's no sort of research into that at the moment. And I think that's definitely something that we need to look into going forward if, if the women's game is going to go professional.
0: And they say it's the fastest area growing of of rugby league. I would have thought shoulder pads. We have different body Definitely. shapes to yeah. to the male players. That would have been something I thought would have been like. Do they do they? fit right are they a bit uncomfortable yeah yeah well I wear them and there's
1: just kind of like a chest plate that they've got um obviously for males and then the shoulder (laughs) protection and I think there's definitely
0: a difference between male chests and female chests
1: yes um but I kind of did a bit of research on that as well and there are a few people coming out now with um sort of breast plates um Mm. and stuff like that but I don't think it's been approved by anyone yet Um, So it'll be very interesting in the future to see what happens there. Um, But yeah, like you said, it's very different male to female. I'm so shocked
0: that there's there's chest plates for for men that you wear. Mm, Nothing for females. What would you change with the headgear to make it more female friendly?
1: Um, I think I'd try and put in like a a ponytail hole for females to put their (laughs) hair through. I know there is kind of a hole at the moment, but it's so annoying to kind of fit it through and... Yeah. yeah, go like that. So I definitely look at um doing something like that and and just making it look cool.
0: Now you switch from rugby league to soccer, but then soccer you wore the green and gold, the young Matildas. Then you switch to rugby 7s wore so the green and gold, and then switch again to rugby league where the green and gold. Um, you're still very young, Hannah. Are you planning on another switch at any stage? Definitely not. I'm going to stick with rugby league for the rest of my life. I'm
1: not planning on um, <laughs> any switches. Yeah, I'm really enjoying league at the moment and um, yeah, I'm not planning to
0: switch anytime soon. So we finished every podcast by asking what advice you would give to your 10-year-old self. If you could go back looking at everything that you've gone through, what would you tell little Hannah Southwell?
1: I'd probably say don't let anyone tell you you're not good enough. Just keep pushing along. It's going to be a hard road ahead but yeah don't don't let anyone tell you you
0: can't do it Hannah thank you for joining me on On Her Game yeah don't worry On Her Game was presented by me Sam Squires producer Lindsay Green audio producer Darcy Thompson executive producer Jennifer Goggin